0: I invite you to open up your copy of God's Word to Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. You know, it was on this day, October 31st in 1517, that an Augustinian monk held a mallet at a church door in Wittenberg, Germany, and he nailed his 95 Thesis. He nailed up against... This uh, church door, these 95 theses were 95, a list of disputes, a list of exhortations, a list of biblical declarations, all against the Roman Catholic Church. Pope Leo X, who was there at the time, was outraged and he was threatened. He said, a wild boar is ravishing God's vineyard, when he spoke about this monk whose name was Martin Luther, who that day Martin Luther launched to the forefront what we call the Reformation. This Reformation is captured at its heart by five pillars that are summed up in five solas. The word sola meaning alone. So the first was sola scriptura, scripture alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. Alone. Sola gratia, grace, alone. Sola fide, faith, alone. And soli deo gloria, to God's glory, alone. Now, it was strictly against the very teaching at the Roman Catholic Church at that time, and they still hold to today. The heart of it began at sola scriptura. Scripture alone, the word alone was so important. He recognized, as a monk himself, a roman catholic monk that they held to scripture they read the bible and the bible was authoritative to them it could tell them what was right and what was wrong it could tell them how to live and how not to live that was important to them but just as equally important to the roman catholic theology was the word of the pope god's word the bible was inerrant and infallible and it was authoritative and it always held true and it would never be wrong but they said so was the Pope. And so was tradition. And so was church councils. So when the Reformation happened, sola scriptura, scripture alone, was the key pillar. It's scripture alone. It's not scripture plus traditions. That's where your authority is. It's unshaking. Traditions change. Popes change. Councils change. Scripture never changes. So scripture alone was to be the authority. God's word alone was to be the foundation of our faith. That alone, not the Pope. The Pope would make mistakes, but they don't think so. But Martin Luther, at the forefront of the Reformation, led the way to say, no, it is these things alone. Scripture, Christ alone, not Christ plus works. Grace alone, not grace plus all of your merit that you bring to the table. Faith alone and to the glory of God alone. It has nothing to do with patting yourself on the back. You have accomplished nothing in your salvation but to be a humble, broken sinner. And so the word alone was so vitally important to the the Reformation. Martin Luther was on guard He was on guard. He was telling the people publicly to avoid the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. The errors of the Roman Catholic Church. He was publicly telling them to avoid it. He was warning them against the errors. He showed the ways that they did not serve Christ. He pointed out how they served their own interests. He exposed their deception. He and every reformer from him stood on the five pillars of the Sola. Sola Scriptura, Sola Fide, Sola Christus, Sola gratia, and Soli Deo Gloria. They stood on that and they fought for it. They fought for this truth, warning everyone about the opposing doctrine that was out there. Some of them fought to the death. To the death. One of the reformers was William Tyndale. William Tyndale was killed because he believed in Sola Scriptura. That scripture alone was the authority in the believer's life. And it is inerrant. And so William Tyndale was called by God to translate the Bible into English. So that every person in England could have their copy of God's word. So that they wouldn't have to trust in the authority of a pope or a tradition or a changing council to tell them what was what. Sola Scriptura. If, if scripture alone is the authority in our life that is unchanging and unshakable, then you should be able to read a copy of it. That was William Tyndale's heart and soul. And so he translated the Bible from the original into English. And for that, he was killed. He was killed. He had to flee England for a while and tried printing presses in Germany and other places. And then eventually, he was killed for believing in sola scriptura, scripture alone. The Roman Catholic Church at the time was the ones responsible for his death. They wanted him put to death because he was, again, as Martin Luther was, exposing them. Showing them that what they were saying was not necessarily what the Word of God said. They were adding things to it, taking things away from it, hiding concepts, hiding the grace of God alone, that you needed to have all these other things, that you needed to be a faithful Catholic and do all that they required you to do because of tradition. He was exposing that. He was warning people, and for that, he died. He was not the only one that died for that. There was many others, Hugh Latimer, Martin Busser. The list goes on in the early reformers, and it carries on. Those who were willing to put their neck out and fight. Was it necessary? Was it the right thing to do? In Romans chapter 16, I want you to take a look with your eyes at, at verse 17. We're going to read 17 and 18 today. Here's what he says. In the middle of all of these personal greetings, he inserts this. I appeal to you, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers... Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. He says, verse 17, I appeal to you. I beg you. Don't just float through life. Don't just try to get by doing your own thing and ignoring maybe some warning signs around you. I appeal to you. I urge you. I beg you, firstly, to watch out. Watch out. Be on guard. Have your eyes peeled. Be aware. Be looking around at what is erroneous around you. Specifically, Those people. He says, watch out for those. There is a person, a group of people, a whole collection. Watch out for them. Because they're going to be among you. he tells, it's interesting because when Paul finally gets to Rome, uh, near the end of his life, and he's writing the letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians, he talks about the place where he is, Rome, and he says, people have snuck in and they're preaching another Christ. So he says, he's warning them early on. He says, watch out. Keep your eyes opened for those who cause divisions. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, when he's speaking of those who cause divisions, he says, quote, those who cause divisions is not so much people that introduce heresy outright into the church, though it is sometimes happens, but those who divide churches into factions who are loyal to themselves. I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, right? Those who say, well, I follow this person, I'm after this person, I'm after this person, and we must divide and we must be loyal to this person or that person. No, you ought to be loyal to Christ. That's where our loyalty is to Christ alone. And so he says, watch out for those who are gonna cause divisions, those who are gonna try to pull you after themselves, after a personality, after a, a way of thinking, that he says is contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. They're going to try to divide you. So you must be aware, you must be watching, you must have your eyes open to what you have been taught. Do you know what you've been taught? Do you know what is the truth? How clear is it to you in your understanding? Have you uh, seen people who present this idea of a more biblical or a more faithful or the only true church? There's churches called the full gospel church because they didn't think other churches had the, you know, the fuller gospel, the true church or the Christian church. They think we are the purer, and we, you must follow our teaching our way. Even the Roman Catholic theology today says that if you preach grace alone, that you should be damned to hell. They teach that. They would never say that from their pulpits or even in their classes, but it's in their their doctrine. Anyone who believes in grace alone, who's justified by grace alone, they say that is a, a teaching and understanding damnable to hell. Watch out. Watch out for people who would say, well, we have a truer message. That is contrary, that Paul says, to what you have been taught. The doctrine, the teaching, the lessons that you have been taught. And I love that he is saying it to the church at Rome. If you read through this letter to Rome, what he has taught them so far and just reminded them of so far is very basic, right? All of us have a sinful inclination. We all have a heart that longs to serve ourselves. And God gives some people over to that heart to show them that, yeah, you want to serve yourself? This is what's going to happen. There's going to be consequences in this life. And even worse consequences in the life to come. So God says that, but then he introduces not only the bad news, that that in the bad news, all of us have this sin, our offense against God, we're hostile to God, but by grace, through faith, you can be found in Christ. Instead of found standing before God's throne trying to putter your way through excuses, you can stand and say, I claim Christ alone. Christ alone. Nothing that I bring. No amount of faith I produce. No no special righteousness. I didn't do anything. I bring Jesus. And he's enough. Are you sure? Not anymore? No, he's enough. It's what Romans teaches us. Christ alone. By him alone you're justified. Not by works of the law. Done in righteousness. Not at all. But it's alone by Christ. And so when Paul says... Watch out for those who are teaching a a doctrine that's contrary to this. Watch out. So Martin Luther heard this. He was a Roman Catholic monk who thought that he had to work, work, work for God to love him and approve him and forgive him. And, And all he ever came up with was empty and sad and in more despair than he ever thought. Um... This is one of the uh, priests at the time of of Martin Luther, uh, because Martin Luther was always in the confessional booth, always, like hours a day in there, confessing sin after sin after sin, sins of his heart and his mind and confessing sins. It was amazing. Martin Luther was convicted by God of things that offended God, even in his heart. And the priest told him, Martin, why don't you go and actually commit something that you can confess for? Go kill your mother or something. Because Martin was always in there just confessing sins of his heart. And they thought, oh, enough's enough. We've heard. But Martin was so overwhelmed by this truth that we are so plagued with sin and offensive to God. And that he couldn't do anything about it. So he tried confessing and confessing. He tried climbing up these stairs to a pilgrimage on his knees, praying to God. Nothing ever satisfied until he came to an understanding of Christ alone. That he is justified by Christ alone. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Right there where it says, "Those the, the just shall live by faith. He finally saw that. That you are only just by faith. You're only justified. You're only declared righteous because of what God has done in Jesus. Jesus, who is the just and the justifier, Romans tells us, So Paul, when he's saying, in your church, in your life, in your world, watch out. Have your eyes open. Pay careful attention to those, to certain people. Not just teachings that are out there in abstract, but people who could be in your midst. Your own heart. Your own understanding. Watch out for those who cause divisions that are contrary to what you have been taught. Romans chapter 14, there were, he was warning them there about people who wanted to cause divisions about secondary things, about dietary issues, about which day to worship on and what was the acceptable practice in worship. He warned them in chapter 14, don't go down that road. That is not the road that you divide over. You divide over gospel issues. If someone says Jesus plus works, you divide over that. Do not divide. Do not say someone's not a brother or sister in Christ because you disagree on your diet or you disagree upon secondary issues of theology. Don't divide, he said. And now here he's just reminding them in a warning. I warn you to watch out for those who cause divisions. Contrary to the doctrine. The doctrine you've been taught is Jesus alone. And if someone's causing divisions about that, beware. Watch out for them. He says, and not only do they cause divisions, he says, but secondly, in verse 17, he says, they create obstacles. They create obstacles contrary to that doctrine. They put in stumbling blocks. They add things to the faith. Jesus warned about these when he pointed to the Pharisees. You know, he said in in Matthew chapter 23, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and they put them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And he says to the, uh, at the end of verse, uh, sorry, Matthew twenty three thirteen. he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven on people's faces. And you don't go in. And you don't allow those to go in either. He says they, they laid up heavy burdens. They put things on these people and said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you can trust in, in Jesus. Jesus. But you also need to do this list of 655 things. And if you don't, God doesn't love you and you're not going to heaven. He says, watch out for people like that who are putting these obstacles that are contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. The doctrine you've been taught is Christ alone, by faith alone, by the grace of God alone. So watch out. If people try to add things to that and say, oh yeah, grace plus, you better make sure you're baptized or you won't go to heaven. He says, watch out. That's contrary to the teaching of the doctrine of the gospel. Baptism is a, is a, a thing of obedience. Yes, when you, you come to faith in Christ, you'd be baptized to publicly tell others to, to show physically what's happened to your heart. Yes, absolutely. But it does not save you. It's not a requirement for heaven. And when, if someone requires it for your saying, ah oh, you're not a Christian unless you get baptized, Paul says, watch out for them. They're adding things like the Pharisees added things that that is unacceptable and it's contrary. It's opposite of the doctrine that God taught you in Christ. Watch out for them. There was other issues in the early church of those who were of Jewish heritage who brought in uh, things of Judaism into the church. Well, Well, you can't be a Christian unless you're also circumcised, is what they would say to some. Or unless you, again, follow the dietary rules. You can't eat pork. Come on. Paul says, watch out for people like that. That's not the gospel of grace that we've understood Christ to accomplish for us. So watch out for those who are causing divisions. Watch out for those who create obstacles, who try to make secondary things primary because we've been set free for freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't put on that slavery. Don't put on a yoke of slavery that says, all right, well, I must also do confession. I must also do whatever it is. Indulgences. When In Martin Luther's time, there was uh, church leaders at the time who were requiring you to pay for your forgiveness. Literal money. There was a whole jingle about it. It was really sad. Don't submit to a yoke of slavery. There's obstacles that people are going to try to put in that say, more than Jesus alone. That you better understand tradition, you better understand councils, you better understand what the Pope has declared. You better understand that you need to be baptized, or you need to come to the front, or you need to be a church member. or you need All of those things are obstacles to the true gospel. A faith that you and Christ says, watch out for these. They cause divisions, they create obstacles. Contrary to the doctrine you've been taught, avoid them. These are wolves. They are wolves. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. They look like a sheep. They may even look like a faithful sheep. They'll tell you about the truer church, and if you just do these things, then then you're a truer Christian. Watch out for them. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, ready to devour. They are Firstly, here, as we see in verse 18, they're servants of themselves. They serve themselves. That shows their motivation. Well, why do they do this? It's to serve themselves. Verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. They don't serve the Lord Christ, the humble, homeless Savior. Instead, they serve their own appetites. Fill their pockets. Get the fame and the adoration from you and from everyone else. They're wolves. They're wolves, and the TV's full of them right now. Ah, if you just send extra money, God's going to bless you. Are you kidding me? What, to buy your third jet? It's disgusting. They're wolves. They don't serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. What do they want? They want praise. They want followers. They want affirmation. They want money. What is it they want? This is the motivation for why they're doing what they do. Why they will live as wolves in sheep's clothing. Use the language, use the lingo, be present. May even serve, may even do great things. May go on missions trips. May give lots of money to the church. May pray like a real saint. May be really kind. What's their motivation? Why do they do it all? Is it to serve their own appetite? Be warned against such people, he says. Warning, they're out there. And they're not out there to serve Jesus. They're out there to serve themselves. That's their motivation. But what's their method? They're serpents. They're serpents. Look at the second half of verse 18. For, uh, for such persons do not serve the Lord Christ but their own appetites. They do it by smooth talk and by flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive. Smooth talk and flattery. Deception. Second Corinthians 11 says this, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise that his servants also disguise themselves as As servants of righteousness, but their end will correspond with their deeds. They are servants of the serpent. They are slippery, sleazy, and they are satanic. They serve Satan. That's their method through flattery, through deception. The father of all lies, Satan, they they lie. So Paul says, Watch out, it's easy to be deceived. It's easy to be deceived. It's easy to be flattered. It's easy to be smooth-talked into something. I don't know if you've ever bought into a sales pitch and regretted it. You're like, man, that did not pan out. I have lots of friends who have bought into schemes like that. But we all have our things. And we're like, oh, yeah, that looks good. And it's not. You got to watch out. Paul says, I appeal to you. I urge you, watch out. Have your eyes open. Have those around you who can provide wisdom and counsel, who can, who can guard you, who can hold you back when you're being smooth-talked, who can point out that you're just actually being flattered by this serpent. Eve in the garden, slithery serpent, flattered her. Oh, You can know things like God. Smooth-talk. Ah, looks good for food, isn't it? Oh, surely God didn't say that. Lied, smooth talk, deception. It was from the garden until now. We get this from every angle. Paul says, watch out. For such persons do not serve the Lord Christ, but their own appetites, by smooth talk and by flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Smooth talk, they know the words to say. They know how to look you in the eye, how to make you feel welcome, how to make you feel like what they're saying is good and right. And, and maybe even the right words. It might even be saying Jesus. It might even be saying gospel. It might even be saying the words kingdom. But what's, what's behind it all? What's the motivation? Why are they talking in such a way? Are they just flattering you? The method there is smooth talk and flattery and the goal is deception. They want to deceive you. They want to deceive you. There is a famous TV preacher right now, and when he's asked straight up, you know, do you believe that you it's Jesus alone how you get to heaven? He says, Well, I don't think I can say that. Joel Olstein. Smooth talk. You listen to Joel Osteen, say, man, that's smooth talking, that guy. He flatters people, makes you feel really good if you've paid attention to him. He flatters you, makes you feel great. His books are super encouraging. Be the better you. You're a great person. There's something inside you. There's a lot of potential. Just make sure you know you give and and God, you know, that'll bring your faith around and blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, deception is the end. When he is unwilling to say that it's Jesus alone that gets you to heaven, there's deception there. Either he has wickedly deceived himself and he's just an echo chamber or he is deceiving people Either way, watch out. They come in smooth forms. Watch out. Paul gives his exhortation. He begins by saying, watch out. And then he ends verse 17 by saying, avoid them. Watch out and avoid them. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, like the the spiritual offerings you have, according and not according to Christ. He says, see to it, which is the same as watch out. We do this, as the Reformers of old did, by understanding the things we ought to hold to. These things that, that Paul says, watch out if they teach something contrary to the doctrine you've been taught. So, for the Reformers, there were these five pillars. These are the doctrines that we have been taught, and and we got to watch out based on these things. Is someone talking about something as authoritative in my life? Just as equal with God and His Word? If so, warning bells. If someone says that, yes, God is gracious and, and merciful to you, but you also need to, watch out. If someone says that it's Christ plus Baptism, watch out. If it's anything that you can do and it's not for God's glory alone, watch out. This is the gospel. that is by faith alone, by, by simply trusting in Christ alone, that He was sufficient for us. That, it, that it's not me being able to clean up, me being able to be righteous, but by faith alone, I just trust. That I am a sinner and I need a Savior. That my way of life is not going to get me to heaven. And so I trust. I I just trust. Sometimes it, it takes blind faith. It's a leap of faith. It is. It's you clinging to God and saying, I can't trust myself anymore. I trust Christ. It's by faith alone. Full trust in the grace of God alone. It's not because you were something special. It's because God was merciful to you when you did not deserve it. And it's in... Christ alone, and it's for His glory alone. And we learn it all from Scripture alone. Scripture alone. So then we come to Christ. We lay ourselves down and we say, Take me, I'm yours. I have nothing to bring. I'm not worthy. I'm destined for hell, and without you, I have nothing. That's what we do. We come, and and when we understand the scripture rightly, it says, all who would call upon his name will be saved. You cling to that. You cling to him, that if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive them. You cling to it. And if anyone else tells you otherwise, you watch out and you avoid them. You watch out. You have your eyes open to understand what is true and what is smooth talk, flattery, ultimately deception. You watch out. You have your eyes open, and then you avoid you avoid them. You run from them. You don't read their books or watch their shows. You don't put up with it. You flee. You run. Because that's the warning Paul gives to these brothers and sisters in Rome. It's the warning we need to take this morning. It's an appeal of Paul. It's an appeal of God through Paul. Watch out. There's going to be snakes. There's going to be Wolves in sheep's clothing, watch out for them. So the question for us is, do we know the truth? Do we know this doctrine that we have been taught? Do we know the gospel at its bare bones to be able to see the warning signs, to be able to hear the flattery and think, I think something's off. We can never do that alone. That's why we need each other, to guard one another from the deceitfulness of sin. We need each other so that we can watch out together and that we can avoid such errors together because we want God to get the glory alone. We don't ever want it to become something the man has done or can do or will do and rob him of glory. Instead, it's for God's glory alone that we are watching out and avoiding such errors. May that be true of us. May we have the ability to do that. May we know the truth that God has taught us the gospel we came to originally, may we see the cross for the first time again and again and never forget that it was by Christ alone that we are saved. Let's pray. God, we recognize that we are, uh, we could be flattered easily. We, we want people to uh, like us, approve of us, Appeal to our desires, even. God, we pray you would guard us from that. That your word would guard our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would uh, awaken us to when we are being, uh, having wool pour, pulled over our eyes, when, when someone is leading us astray, when we, when we, even ourselves, begin to believe additional things to what you have declared in your word. That it's Christ alone, it's your grace alone, it's faith alone. And it's to your glory alone. And your word is inerrant alone. Help us to believe these things. Help us to know them. And help us to guard one another so that we are not deceived. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.